All right, Rowdy, you had sent a tweet to RJ and I a couple of days ago, and, uh, you know, we like opining away about Graham Mertz could be here potentially until he's like 35 years old, it feels like. Uh, here's the tweet that Rowdy sent. In the transfer portal era, there is absolutely zero... Ex- let me start that again. Sorry, I mumbled. In the transfer portal era, there is absolutely zero excuse for top 25 programs to have Graham Mertz and Spencer Petras as multi-year starting quarterbacks. It's a really bad look on those head coaches and staff. What say you, RJ? I mean, we've seen... I think I know where Rowdy stands here. We've seen good things out of Graham Mertz. I don't think we've ever seen a good thing out of Spencer Petras. Um, but it's you're talking about two coaching staffs who are to a fault loyal. Yeah, loyal to a fault. Um, and there really is nothing behind a Graham Mertz that would make you be like, yeah, let's start him. Right. Well, that's part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what he's getting at. The fact that they don't have another option that's maybe not necessarily better, but at least that can compete for the job. That's the issue. You have What's you the have issue the here, transfer dude? portal. You can go out and grab quarterbacks. Like, look at what Washington State did. Yeah. They went and grabbed Cameron Ward from Incarnate Word. Now, that's the, not a good football program. Yeah, That's not a good football program. But Cam Ward is a pretty good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Or look at, um, there was also Bailey Zappi. He was a guy that was also playing... I believe for Houston Baptist yep. that well, in the transfer portal era, Western Kentucky went and grabbed because he was a really good quarterback at that level. And it turns out he was pretty good at the small division one level as well. Like yeah. there are quarterbacks like that, that they could go find that could probably at least push Graham Mertz. And that's not even talking about the Caleb Williams and some of these higher yeah echelon quarterbacks that are big time names that are looking to transfer. Well, the fact that they brought in zero of those so, is truly alarming because Mertz hasn't been good. So Caleb Williams, Wisconsin was on his short list to come and Wisconsin was courting him. Isn't that some of the belief why they got Bobby Ingram? Cause he was friends with Caleb Williams, like dad and stuff. That's, so, that was the rumor. Yeah. So, so they were trying to get Caleb Williams to come to Wisconsin. And I remember Graham Mertz had to address it uh, to the media and you know, they talked about it, yada, yada, yada. Well, here's the thing that uh, maybe why, he didn't come to Wisconsin because USC gave him $5 million. Well, that like other people have said, he used Wisconsin to get that $5 million. Do you think of Wisconsin where it said like, all right, well we've NIL style. We've got now got $6 million. I don't think Wisconsin. Will you want to come to Wisconsin? There. I mean, I, Sorry it's not like they that. tried with the money thing. Well, yeah. I guess we don't know if they did or didn't, but I assume they did not. Right. But I don't care. Caleb Williams dad's like, we need $5 million jumping off point. I don't care. My biggest question is why haven't you done anything about the quarterback position? Like, again, Graham Mertz is going to be 22 years old. It's not like he's 19, 20, and it's like, hey, he redshirted for one year and he struggled for a year. He's been here for years. <laughs> he was stepped foot on campus Plural. in 2019. Like, 2019 was three years ago. Yeah. Well, and then, okay. It was four football seasons ago. Loyal to a fault, right? The other thing is uh, Spencer Petras. Like, what does Iowa do? Are they even more loyal to a fault than Wisconsin? At least Iowa brought in a quarterback that was supposed to be a stud from uh, Colorado, Padilla. Turns out, turns out he just hasn't panned out like Spencer Petras. But at least they brought in a guy that had, I believe he was a four-star quarterback. They at least brought someone in for competition. The Badgers, do you consider do you consider a guy that uh, can't win the backup job in Deacon Hill to be competition that you brought in? Do you consider Miles Burkett really a competition? I do. I I do not. I don't think uh, well, anyone else does Well, the drop off so either. huge between Mercer and That's everyone what else. I'm saying. At least Iowa brought in Padilla that was a four-star recruit. Now, turns out he sucks even worse than Petrus, but at least... They well, tried. Mertz has flashes, right? Mertz has looked good so far this year. Petrus just stinks. Yeah. Like, he just stinks. He's not good, and he doesn't care. So, I mean, we, we, look, <laughs> we look at this more of the, of the Badger side than the, you know, the, the No, the like Hawk a lot of people side, that were responding to that tweet, they also were like, well, Mertz has been fine this year, or, or at least, like, Mertz has started out really hot in his career and then run into some struggles. So 
there is more positive responses that Mertz has looked decent yeah. this season or that Mertz started out really well and everyone's still bashing like Petrus has sucked yeah. since day one. And, yeah. and it's also one of those on the recruiting trail and now transfer portal trail, if you want to call it that, there are coaching staffs that talk to a kid and will say, well, if you're thinking about going to Wisconsin, you're not going to get a chance to start right away. Look at the position you're going there for. Like, and that's up and down the board. True. That's not specific to the. Do you think Wisconsin says that too often to, especially <laughs> we'll say like certain positions like quarterback where it's like, Hey, you might be a four-star quarterback, but you're not going to come in and start right away. You know what? We have a guy here that's been here for three years. He was a four-star and I mean, you clearly know Wisconsin's not going to say that, but everybody recruiting against Wisconsin's like, well, they got a, they got a kid that that's been there and he hasn't even been that Should good. Wisconsin lies straight to their face. Day one. Hey, you're, you're day one starter. Come here, baby. You just don't tell them. <laughs> so in a sense you do, Yeah. but like, yeah, they don't, my plan is to start you. Yeah. I intend to start, I intend to you. start you, but that's the thing. It's like when we think about Wisconsin quarterbacks, most of the time, RJ, I think of guys that have been there for a while and yeah. it's like they waited two, three years and now it's yeah. their turn. Yep. Maybe that's also well, that part was of the issue. transfer portal. Maybe but, that's I mean, also that's part also of the issue. How it's still going for them. Yeah. Interesting conversation. Cause like think about if all of a sudden you are a program that we'll say like Kentucky basketball, that's always used to playing freshmen and sophomores. Mm-hmm. If you're a freshman or a transfer portal, uh, sophomore, in basketball, you'd think about moving to Kentucky if you were that level because yeah. you know that they play right away. I mean, the last guy who supplanted the, you an don't incumbent. Be, you was, don't want to be a junior yeah. or senior on Kentucky. The, that means you, <laughs> that stink. Means you stink. Yeah, that, like th- with with Wisconsin football, Brooks Bollinger started as a freshman a couple of games into the season when Scott Cavanaugh. Uh, I guess you could say we realized he didn't have it. I'm trying then, to think of Alex Hornibrook started yeah. some games as a freshman. Then Sorgi took over. Then um, Stocko took over. Then Donovan took over. Uh, then Tolzine? What you're getting at is that yeah. most of those guys, by the time they took over, were already in the program for two or three right. years. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Were, it's, yeah. been, it's been like the the running back room, where it's like somebody left and somebody got but to I feel ascend like to the top role. At, this, at some point, when you're not having much success, mm-hmm. it might be time to switch some stuff up. Well, and then you Sometimes have you the, you had the run up. of um, bringing in, uh, well, transfer quarterbacks, transfer quarterbacks with Allen Everidge, who he he could have been good. His problem was at Kansas State, he had no offensive line and like had like couldn't throw the ball anymore because of his experience sure. behind no offensive line. Yeah, and then uh, you had Russell Wilson. Then you had Russell Wilson, Daniel Bryan, um, where I mean. The Allen Average thing didn't work out, so you had Dustin Shear. Um, yeah, and, and like so, Wisconsin has had success doing it. Hey, Tanner McAvoy. Yeah, oh yeah, don't forget Tanner oh, yeah, McAvoy. That's right. Who ended up being a Seahawk? Yep, as a receiver. Turns out he was Tanner, actually a safety. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Interesting conversation with the transfer portal uh, line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, boys. Corey. 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 Yeah. What's, going, what's going on, brother? What's How you doing? I'm doing well. Yourself? I was just enthralled with the discussion. I like that you got this train back on the tracks after that, uh, after the uh, beforehand here. So the train never fully goes off the tracks. It kind of teeters, you know. It teeters. <laughs> it's like back and forth. it's like banking on a yeah. curve. A couple wheels a come curve. off. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyhow, so this nil discussion is always a, a really good one because there's really no right answer to it here. But um, I would I would uh, be concerned as well. From uh, I, I didn't read that tweet yet, but. I tend to agree that, uh, you know, it is kind of concerning from the overall what I'm getting out of UW right now from what it seems like they're still thinking they can sell themselves on good vibes and on happy tones, and the game has changed. Is that kind of like that Motorhead song, I Am the Game? So it's like the game's changed now. It's all you're about gonna the have game. To be able to, and yep, you you're going to have to – you're going to have to get in the in the pool here with the Sharks, even if you really don't want to, because they're going to be sniping these players from underneath you all the time that are transfer guys. And I, I'm not quite sure where they're going with it, and I get that they, they got that big announcement they made about the 
NIL, you know, collective. And RJ, you probably know more about this than I do. But um, it it seemed a little bit disconcerting. I'm just, I guess that's, I don't really have anything profound to say on that, but that's kind of the overall. Here, here's something profound for you, Corey. You can use vibes, it. If you want to run with the big dogs, you got to learn to pee in the tall grass. There you go. That's profound. <laughs> Well, I just find it concerning that they, like they that. haven't brought in any quarterbacks to compete with Graham Mertz really since 2020. They even kind of kicked Jack Cohn to the curb in 2020. And he went to Notre Dame. Disconcerting. And, yeah, and the biggest big. thing is like, okay, I get the, the, the fact that you weren't able to land Caleb Williams. Well, okay. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He was a top recruit. Lincoln Riley's his guy. I get it. But the fact that you couldn't even go out to like a, a Mac school or a, a smaller power five school and pick off a quarterback that might actually be all right. And just to see what he looks like versus Graham Mertz. Why haven't you at least tried to do that? It's like you're, it, you always want to try and get better each year. And I feel like that's a position they haven't tried to get better at. Mm-hmm. Well, my question still stands. I remember a couple of weeks ago when you guys had Zach on, I asked, do you think that the offense has been limited now by Paul Chris from what it used to be with Graham Mertz as quarterback? And I still haven't seen an answer to it. I still feel that it is. Because let's be honest here, Paul Chris, if, you, if I'm correct on this, this is basically the same kind of offense he was running when Russell Wilson was here. Am I right on that, or am I wrong on that? Because he was the OC, correct? Yeah. Okay. And they were putting up 70 points a game, 80 points a game. They seemed to be able to it's do because they were unlimited. Mr. Unlimited was there. Well, yep. setting that aside, like when that's why there was a discussion earlier in the week too. about getting rid of Paul Christ. I'm not necessarily thinking he's the problem here. And, you know, I'll believe that you know, kind of lie, but I'm not as concerned about him coaching as versus the limitations they've had to put in this offense, because there's a reason why they just kept running into the line last weekend And Washington state had a great game plan from my perspective. Oh, absolutely. Just, yeah. From the for first sure. quarter, they just, sure. they just run blitz the F the bleep out of the Badgers. And so we're going to make, they, they dared them to pass the ball. Correct. And then when the Badgers did, they put up 14 points. Like easily, and then went right back to, yeah, you guys stopped us uh, running, but we're going to try it again. Yes. And so that's, and so then you wonder, like, okay, why is that? And I don't know if it's necessarily just because it's the, from the coach's side that they feel that they have to do it like that because they feel that they, I don't know if I'm really making sense of what I'm saying here, but I don't really think that they think they can take the reins off the offense yet, if that. No, no, yeah, it absolutely does. And the odd thing is, I I had the same feeling as you, but what I watched on Saturday and Uh seen, I mean, there was one sack. And on the 31 attempts, um, and then I don't know if that was, if they're counting the intercept now, because that was technically an interception, not a fumble. So there was a sack and at least one hurry that caused an interception. But yet... I felt had you gone to a more pass-heavy attack, that would have opened up your running game because they were staying in eight, nine-man box, and you were too pig-headed to even consider opening it up. It, it, and I, I didn't understand that at all. And that's one of those things where you thought having more time of possession would help you when clearly you were just taking out little chunks of yards at a time rather than gouging him for big plays in the passing game. Actually, you want to have a, someone that can see that on the field and say, okay, we're going to switch out of this play we have. Right. And, and I don't and, know if they give him that freedom to do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it more remind me of Paul, Christ, and Joe Rudolph calling the plays, whoever it was at the time when Rudolph was O.C., Rather than having a new guy who was going to breathe new life into it and bring new ideas, granted we saw five wide um, that had Braylon Allen lining up in the in the flats, but still, I mean, I need to see more of it. You got to see more of it, Corey. Got to see more, brother. Corey, still sucks. Have a great day, guys. Oh, so, uh, you cut out a second. What'd you say? 
The Bears still suck. Thank Have you. a great day. I knew guys. that's what you said. I just want to get it fully out there. Corey, we love you, buddy. <laughs> so Christian Watson, we'd be talking a lot differently about the game against the Vikings and how the tone was and also uh, why, about Watson himself. After, if he did not drop, what was it, a 71, 75-yarder, whatever it was? Aaron Rodgers opening up that first offensive drive, bombing it down the field. Watson had it wide open, and he dropped it. Romeo Dobbs also ran, what, a wrong route? Yeah, Rodgers obviously didn't hit him when you run the wrong way. But a lot of people are very excited, me included, about the future of both Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Matt LaFleur was asked, uh, what impressed you a lot in their debuts? Yeah, I thought there was a lot of good things that they did, and there's certainly going to be uh, learning lessons along the way. We know that uh, that that is uh, kind of par for the course for most young players, and um, but I'm confident th- those guys are going to continue to get better. And there's a lot of like a lot to like in terms of what they did. I thought just the effort that they showed and, and the willingness to block, and um, you know, just be in the right place at the right time and you know we just got to continue to work with them and certainly I I've, I don't think anybody in that locker room's lost any confidence in either one of those guys so, so there you go a little bit uh, from the floor on those guys yeah it's definitely Aaron Rodgers you would say was talking more glowingly about Watson and Dobbs even though there were mistakes than he was about second year receiver Amari Rodgers if you saw those clips I did in fact uh, let me get one from LaFleur before we get to Rodgers he was being asked about Amari Rodgers and it wasn't sounding too good (laughs) about uh, uh, the second year man what was he the uh, third was he third round he was a third-round yeah, pick third out round of Clemson. Pick. Here's LaFleur on the role in the offense that Amari Rodgers had. No touches week one. I think it's going to be game by game. And just when he gets those opportunities, he's going to have to maximize them in, in order to get more. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't get any of this last game. And um, But I think, you know, it's it's definitely going to be week to week. Hey, you're going to have to maximize your opportunities every time you get that opportunity. Unfortunately, though, he got no opportunity to maximize them. <laughs> week one against the Vikings on offense. Yeah, I'm thinking at this point with how Aaron Rodgers was very short and to the point about Amari Rodgers, about... Well, he's he's on our team, basically is what he said. Yeah, he's here. And I think LaFleur talking about how he might not get many opportunities, but when he does, he's got to make the most of them. Oh, sorry. You didn't have any week one. <laughs> it's like what? Um, he must. He must well, then stink. remember, we were talking about just a few weeks ago. We were talking about the how many receivers would they keep? Who's on the chopping block? Who's who's for sure on this roster? Who could potentially be cut and then uh, saved on the practice squad? I'm kind of getting the feel that Amari Rogers at this point is only on the roster because he can play a little bit of special teams or at least has the ability to play a little bit of special teams and the fact that he was a top 100 pick as he was a third-round pick. Yeah, here's a... If if Amari Rodgers was a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh undrafted free agent, do you really think he'd still be there? The vibe I get would be no. Here's Aaron Rodgers on why Amari Rodgers has gotten so little playing time. In game so far. Aaron, what's your outlook on Amari Rodgers and where he fits on this offense? Because last year he was pretty non-existent, and then last week he didn't he didn't get out there for an offensive snap. Yeah, he's returning for us right now. That's all I got on it. <laughs> that's not like let's hey, go beat in the doghouse. Hey, that's not like hey, Christian Watson, that guy's fast. You know he he's <laughs> made some plays for us or. Hey, Romeo Dobbs is making a huge play every single day at practice. Or, hey, you know, Alan and I, we have a good chemistry. Or same thing with him and Randall (laughs) Cobb. Or how about when he said Sammy Watkins really brought it at practice today. You know, I like that cat, Jawan Winfrey. I think he's got some upside. Yeah, he's returning for us. That's all I got. I want to play one. Listen to... uh, I wish I knew who the reporter was. I think I knew who it was, but I don't want to misidentify someone. But, Rowdy... The the question is well thought out. There's a lot of words in there. You can there's a little smile, a grin. I feel like is on his face. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna get a really good answer from Aaron Rodgers. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a good one, nice little soundbite. Well, you got a good soundbite. Wasn't long and, though. And since you, this is radio, you can't see it, but the video. 
Aaron Rodgers, when asked the question, also almost says, hold on a second, let me drink this water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aaron He's Rodgers, special on Amari Rodgers and where he fits on this offense. Because last year he was pretty non-existent, and then last week he didn't he didn't get out there for an offensive snap. Yeah, he's returning for us right now. Takes the trip. That's all I got on it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Amari Rodgers got to be looking at that video and be like, man, I am. I'm on the outside looking in. Dude. Hey, now to defend Amari Rodgers, he's at least looked a little bit better on special teams this year than last year. Because yeah, he hasn't fumbled it? He hasn't fumbled it, hasn't uh, muffed any. Hasn't uh, made any horrible plays that just completely shot them in the foot. God. So I guess <laughs> so far through one regular season game and three preseason games, he's looked better in that department. But yes, there's not a whole lot of good to go around here, especially what? when you have a lot of young receivers that at least in practice or at least in, in short little runs and reps have at least been showing some signs. Rogers covered the good in the statement, you know? He didn't say anything negative. It's just what he didn't say sounded negative. That's all I got on it. <laughs> He's returning kicks. That's all I got. That's all I got. All right, but on the young wide receivers, though, Rowdy, uh, Rogers, maybe he's I'm in the mood. I'm trying to think. He has said good things about Alan Lazard. Yep. Is he that, here, said, here, here's, real quick, Alan Lazard. Yeah, it's always good to have him out there. He's a talent. But it's the leadership part that, you know, we miss when he's not out there. Short and sweet. We know that he has talked about Sammy Watkins bringing it in practice early this year. Yep. We know him and Cobb. Yep. Cobby. Big fans. We know We know he's talked about Watson and Dobbs and Toure all showing signs of life and signs of ability. Yep. Those are your three drafted rookies from this year. So that's up to, we know he likes Jawan Winfrey. That's six. He's really never said anything about Amari Rogers this year. Besides, yeah, he's having kickoffs for us. That's, that's it. He's that's seven. Amari <laughs> Rogers, like man, what do I got to do? And Lafleur, I, I think at this point, thank your lucky stars that you're on the roster. And Lafleur's like, yeah, he's just got to take advantage of all his opportunities. Unfortunately, he didn't get any opportunities on Sunday. Uh, Rogers, though, on the rookie wide receivers, uh, talks about trust and how it can be determined. I think just same thing I said. Uh... After the game, we got to be patient. You know, we got to be patient with them. The most important thing we're going to be harping on is the uh, is the fun is, is the preparation and the fundamentals and the little things. And um, the jump happens when you don't become a robot anymore. You understand the why and the what. Why are we doing what we're doing, and what are we trying to accomplish? And it takes a while for anybody. Some, you know, there's been a few guys who've kind of used training camp and. And the OTAs and have been maybe a little ahead in the beginning. Some guys who haven't gotten most of the first year. So we'll see where they fall. But you got to be patient. They're talented guys. Um, you know, we just got to keep giving them opportunities. And when they get the chance to make plays, they got to make the plays. It's when you become in your year number two, and if your name's Amari Rogers, then you don't really become patient or well, give them no, opportunities. That's, that's what I was going to ask you. So you would say overall that Aaron Rodgers from the last few years to, we'll say, seven years ago, mm-hmm. become a lot more patient, has worked with a lot more guys. So it's like a dance will do for you. I would say become a better teammate, yeah, more understanding. You would agree with that? Totally. He's just witnessed Christian Watson drop a 60-yard bomb that hit him right in the hands. And he's, he didn't seem too perturbed. He wasn't screaming with the F word. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't annoyed, as but... animated as he has been in the past. Yeah. You saw Romeo Dobbs run the wrong route, and you saw he was, again, took like a deep breath, but didn't get overly animated. He's finding, aligning his chi. <sighs> he, he has been pretty relaxed, and, and I, I guess you would say relaxed, not as animated, um, chill, cool about all these, right? Yeah. But man, has he done nothing or hasn't given Amari Rogers the time of day? No, really hasn't. He has not. I don't remember him ever being, you know, relaxed or chill or cool when Amari Rogers has had mishaps. It just hit me. 
Amari Rodgers has to live up to a higher standard, Rowdy, because he shares the name Rodgers with oh, Aaron Rodgers. I kind of think it might be this, which is probably more obvious. He doesn't see much talent there because if he did, he would give them the benefits of the doubts like all the other guys that he thinks has a little bit of talent that could help him. That could be it. I don't think he thinks he can help them at all. That could be it. Except for little special teams. He comes from the land of the ice and the snow. Some call it frozen tundra. Others Green Bay. Our guy who covers the Packers, Rob Reichel. Good morning, Rob. Heading to the land of uh, the land of uh, milk and cheese right now, I guess, guys. Yes, the God's country. Robbie, we'll get to the Bears who are coming to uh, God's gift to the NFL, the Green Bay Packers and Lambeau Field. But first, just really quick on the on the Vikings loss. Uh, what's the biggest concern? Is it uh, Justin Jefferson still running wide open? That defense is kind of a stinker. Uh, that uh, Rodgers couldn't get the offense humming. They refused to hand the ball off to something that was working. Is it, is it truly is the defense was the biggest question mark? No, I no, I, I think the defense kind of got some things figured out in the second half, guys, when it only allowed six points. I thought they were better. Um, I, I think the fact the offense struggled throughout the course of the day is, is the number one concern. And, and, guys it's stuff we've talked about since the draft right when when they elected not to take a wide receiver in round one when they um you know went defense defense to start when they when they let Devontae adams walk out the door and and didn't really readdress that with a a a proven veteran commodity and and we all studied the roster closely and said man this this is a wide receiver core with a lot of threes and fours right now it's got got a lot of washed up veterans and a lot of young guys i mean uh, again the the young guys are eventually gonna blossom i do fully believe that evo and become ones and twos i think i think when we're doing this you know talking in 2024 evo we're we're talking about the watson um you know dubs duo is of you know a, a probably top 15 and in, in the nfl mm. type of a deal but right now in 2022 they're not there, and and the veterans aren't going to carry you. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins just don't have a lot left in the tank. They they should get a a little bit of a boost this week from Alan Lazard, but but the difference between this year and and last year, guys, is you know after that debacle of an opener they had against the Saints last year, compare that to today. You know, Devontae Adams isn't walking back in the building. Um, they, you know, walking through those doors. No, he's not. You know, Alan Lazard is is the boost they're going to get this week, and theoretically for the next sixteen weeks. But that that that's nowhere close to a, to a Devonte Adams. And uh, again, guys, I do think they'll be better on offense, and they'll figure some things out. But but I have a hunch we're going to get to December, and you know, instead of talking about this as is the normal top five, top seven, top eight Packer offense, they're going to be somewhere in the you know in in the middle. Uh, probably between 15 and 20 guys. They're, they're, that, that's where they're going to wind up being. It's, it, it's not going to be particularly pretty when it's all said and done. So we'll we'll see where it goes from here. But but to me, Evo, that that would be the number one concern coming out of Sunday. So Robbie, I like I agree with you. I think getting Alan Lazard back is going to be a little bit of a boost to that wide receiver room, and it's a room that it probably is much better week 11 versus week one. But do you think there is any chance that moving forward in the first handful of weeks where you see Aaron Rodgers talk about guys like Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, he's got some positive things to say about him. Then you hear his comments about Amari Rodgers or lack thereof comments. Do you think there's any way that in season we see a guy like Amari Rodgers getting cut and maybe them going out and signing a veteran like a Cole Beasley or somebody like that? I guess anything is possible, yeah, Nelly. You know, I mean, we we still are talking about you know, Gutekunst has to pull the trigger on this thing, right? Whatever Amari Rogers has done to wind up in the doghouse and not get a single snap last week, that that's Matt Lafleur's doghouse right now. Maybe it's Aaron Rodgers' doghouse. You know, we'll, we'll find out a lot more on that. I'm I'm sure as this plays out here over the next two or three weeks. But but is it still enough for the guy who picked him and brought him into the family? Is it enough for Brian Gutekunst to move on from him? I would doubt it this year, you know, to specifically answer your question, Nelly. I don't, I don't think that's something you, you would see. Now, the, uh, a couple of those guys, you, you know, you just brought up, a guy like Cole Beasley could give him a boost from oh, the yeah. slot. In, in, in a perfect world, he Nelly. He didn't get no booster, though. 
you know, in a perfect world, they, they, they would dump Randall Cobb for a guy like Beasley, and, they, and you would have an immediate upgrade at that position. But the quarterback's not going to let that happen without without blowing a gasket. So, yeah, I mean, a young guy like that, like Rodgers, could find himself in, in some trouble. But but I think at least for for now and, and for this year, he's safe. But it, but it is really interesting that they've all been, you know, really tight-lipped, uh, you know, Rodgers and and Matt LaFleur yesterday as well when he was at the podium talking about Amari Rodgers, you know, offering up virtually nothing um, in terms of, of why he didn't play and what, what his long-term future is moving yeah, forward. See, I asked the question, Rob, because I know Cole Beasley's a guy that's done punt and kick returns before, and Kylan Hill probably coming off the shelf after the first four or five weeks. Is Amari Rodgers really going to be needed if if all Aaron Rodgers can say is, yeah, he's running special teams for us now. It's all I got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's a great question. It, it, you know, and, and he and he could find himself being one of these guys that's inactive. Nelly, um, I don't think they're going to whack him. I, I really don't. It's just not. It has. It, it's not the Ted Thompson way. It, it, it hasn't been the Brian Gutekunst way. Now, now it was the Ron Wolf way. Ron Wolf had no problem moving on from guys quickly if he thought he bombed and he made a mistake. And a lot of times he turned. You know, he turned chicken fat into chicken soup when he took a guy like Fred Vincent and he turned him into a Mon Green, right? Mm. And and Wolf was Wolf was remarkable at doing that. I just good, good, Ted good, never good did anything like that where he moved on from a guy that quickly and and, and Gutekunst hasn't in his first. You know that this was his fifth draft. He didn't do that with his first four draft classes. Guys, and, and I would doubt Amari Rogers becomes one of those guys. Rob Rasha joining us right now, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Robbie, I know we got a little uh, a, a, a briefer segment today, so I want to get right into the Chicago Bears. I love making fun of the Chicago Bears. The, for, I know the Vikings are probably the Packers' biggest rival now, but something about the Bears that just makes me like giddy and feel the type of way. I just, I just love just hammering on them and making fun of them. It's so easy to do. What do we think is going to happen Sunday? Sunday night football at Lambeau Field when Justin Fields, hopefully they've dried out from that soggy game against the Niners, who are top of the NFC North. What do you think happens Sunday against the Bears? Well, it could be soggy in Green Bay again Sunday, the way the forecast looks, Evo. We'll, we'll see that the decent percentage of, of some rain over there come, come Sunday night. But um, I, 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 I think this follows the same script as the overwhelming majority of times Aaron Rodgers has played the Bears. There's, we Guys, out of, out, of, uh, out of all the stats and, and everything you can throw out there about Aaron Rodgers, you know, his, his passer rating and his QBR and his touchdown-to-interception ratio, I still find arguably the most impressive stat ever on the Aaron Rodgers resume, the fact he's 23-5 and against the Bears, and he's won 10 of 11, and he's won six straight. And really, guys, that 23-5 and would probably be 24-4 and um, if he hadn't gotten knocked out in the first series in in that game in, in 2013, uh, they were a 10 point favorite that night. Wound up wound up losing the game, but uh, no, it's uh, it, it's remarkable what Aaron Rodgers has done against Chicago. I expect it to happen again. Evo, you're going to have an angry, fired up Packer team against a Bears team that that's riding high and feeling good about the fact they lead the division as we as we talk here at 10 to nine on a on a Thursday night before Week Two. Um, it's Guys, I think Green Bay is going to get a lot of answers on on Sunday night to some of the questions people have right now. Can that defense be dominant? I think it will be. I think they'll set the offense up with two or three really short fields, and and Rogers is you know Rogers is going to look much better. The offense is going to look much better because they're going to take advantage of some situations that the defense gives them that are going to be that are going to be pretty opportunistic. So I think Green Bay rolls, guys. I'm going ten. Uh, Packers. What, what was I, I it? Sorry, Rob, you cut up for a second. What was your Packers score? Yep, I'm going to go with 33 to 10. Love it. Green Bay. I, I think they cover and cover easily. I think Rodgers pushes that winning streak against these guys to seven. Uh, it'll be 11 out of 12, and his ownership in the Chicago Bears will, <laughs> will certainly continue, guys. I love it, Rob. Hey, before I let you go, Robbie, just uh, two questions uh, yes or no? Paul Christ, Wisconsin Badgers head, co- head coach. Should he be fired, yes or no? At the end of the season. <laughs> Craig Council, your favorite manager for the Milwaukee Brewers. Have a job, yes or no? He should be replaced today. <laughs> Robbie, we love you, buddy. <laughs> All right, boys. <laughs> don't, talk, don't talk next week, okay, homie? Always, always fun. Have a great weekend. <laughs> See you, Robbie. <laughs> 
Well, the one thing that shows through is their identity in terms of their style of play, how hard they play, you know, how physical they are. They attack the football. It's very sound football, and they get all the necessary ingredients in order to have a great defense. Man, the floor right there, a beautiful man singing over a beautiful woman in a beautiful voice, Alanis Morissette, one hand in her pocket, and the other is Mike Clemens saying, hey, give me on Alanis Talks to Packers. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, boys. Mike, a little Alanis Morissette to uh, brighten the mood today. What do you think? Yeah, that's one way to pick it up. <laughs> I actually like her. I, I, so do I. I. Like her, I like her stuff. So do I. I, I so do I. Rowdy's been listening to her a lot lately uh, in his car. We were Played her a little today on the show. I haven't been listening to her a lot. It's I've been driving around and she's been coming through the radio a lot. Okay, <laughs> Mike, I mean, what I, you don't have like a it's not you're not in the middle of a breakup or something, right? <laughs> oh, no, I'm just driving around, man. Yeah, and it's, it, it's, all right. It's, it, I know sometimes that happens. The music just comes to you. Right? Yeah, the game just comes to you. Mike, what I also like blaring through the radio is you talking about the Green Bay Packers. That's, All right, that's big. That's huge. That's, I like that more than Alanis Morissette. No offense to Alanis Morissette. About LaFleur there in the Bears' new 4-3 defense. Um, what are we thinking about LaFleur and the Bears coming to the town, Mike? Well, I, you're, you know, you're standing out there at practice, and there's Bakhtiari, and there's Alton Jenkins. Helmets, yeah, shoulder pads, and they have pads in the pants. Okay, full pads. So they do some individual drills. We get to see some warm-up and guys playing catch, but when they start getting to 11-11, then they, they escort you out. You know, they, it's everything, there's tarp up all around the fence so that nobody can see what's going on because, you know, they're installing the game plan. And it's not until you get their injury report later, you see, ah, you know, they're still limited. They're, they're not out there doing the 11-on-11 team drills when people are flying around. They're, they're testing it out. They're, you know, they're hitting coaches, holding pads. Sometimes they're... You know, hitting a teammate, but they're not uh, full go yet because they both are coming back from those ACLs. Uh, you also see John Runyon, yeah. your starting left guard. That you know, dude is solid, but he left the Vikings game with a concussion. He's over there working on the sideline, so clearly he's going through the protocol. Now, I've been really uh, up on this Zach Tom from like the first or second week of training camp just because of how great his footwork is, and they were working him at, le- at right tackle and left tackle, and, and he filled in at uh, left guard, and, you know, overall he did did pretty well. He's a, he's a humble – he's one of these rookies that uh, – I'm not going to say anything stupid, okay, so he has very short answers, but he's smart. He's smart, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that guy starts getting some starts here pretty quick because He's a little smaller than you'd like. Tweener. To. I think Roger said he was a tweener, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right, right, in terms of the size. Yeah. Uh, and and no no question, you know, give him some more time, months or a year in the weight room. But, you know, he's really good. So um, so that's what's going on with them. You know, the Bears only got like two people on the injury report. Other than that, they're, they're ready to go. Uh, so Alan Lazard's out there, and he's, you know, he's he'll be full go. He should be able to to play some in this game coming up on Sunday night. Now, um, so here it is. It's the Packers and their home opener, and it's Sunday night football, and it's against the Chicago Bears. Now, doesn't that make you think about 2018? And, you You know, know, Rodgers rolling on the perk. Yeah. And, you know, Rodgers is carted off the field with a a knee injury, and they cart him off, and it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, week one, and he's already done again after coming back from a collarbone that he suffered up against the Vikings. And this is when you got to October, November, the guy was throwing balls into the dirt. And people were thinking, he's giving up on Mike McCarthy. You know, he's just running the way. Oh, we know. We we talked about it at length. He's trying to get him fired. Remember, a lot of people said that. All right. And then, of course, then the Packers do stink, and now they lose to the stinking three wins only uh, Josh Rosen and the was Arizona there. Cardinals. That was the there. Snow at Lambeau. I was there for that. That was yeah. the day, Mike, that Ebo became a coward. He said he was going to jump if they lost to Josh Rosen yeah, and the Cardinals. Yeah, they lost to the and and the Cardinals and jump from he the, didn't do it. the top of, the, of Lambeau Field. I'm telling you, by the end of the third quarter, um, Mark Murphy stands up in his suite, and he's looking around. Did you remember the empty seats oh, in the stadium? It was it, the, the wind. It was cold. Like, oh, it, oh the, the putrid display. It was the worst performance of any professional team I'd ever seen. And, and there's like, 
but there's like, and I estimate at least ten to twelve thousand empty. empty seats. Yeah, and that's when Murphy says, "I'm done. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Bring him to my office after the game." And he was fired by six o'clock You're that night. Fired. McCarthy's yeah. out. So people are thinking, you know, Aaron Rodgers tried to get him fired. It's not until the following April that we learn that Aaron Rodgers was not just playing on, on a knee sprain. He's playing with a, a fractured leg. So when Roy Robertson Harris hit him, he had that, uh, he not only had a sprained MCL, he had the, the fracture of the tibula plateau fracture. He had a, he had a cut, a, a, a crack in the bone in the top of his left leg, and he played with that that entire year. So, you know, I don't know if we ever got around to talking to him about that. And I said to him yesterday, you know, we didn't know that you were playing that whole year with a fractured leg. I mean, how much did that affect your game? Because I, I do remember toward the end of the year, we were on the road in New York, and they were playing the Jets, and he went into, uh, like, overtime with them. He kind of looked like he was playing some backyard football. Joe Philbin's the interim uh, coach. I said, you know, you didn't look right until then. Uh, so tell me about 2018. Yeah, you know, I felt pretty good. Then we went to Detroit, and uh, one of the backers had a weird tackle on me on the sidelines and kind of re-injured my, my MCL. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that was frustrating season for sure. Uh, Health-wise, obviously, you know, a lot of change. That was the year that Mike got fired. Uh, we were, you know, six-win team, not, not very good. Had some really rough ones. So, overall, that was a really tough year. I felt like I needed to be out there and battle through it. Some games I felt terrible towards the end of the year and at, at various times in the middle of the year I felt okay. But uh, the second half of the Chicago game, was a lot of adrenaline, and contrary to popular belief, after what I said on a podcast, there was absolutely zero uh, pain pills that I took at halftime of that 2018 game. Now, I don't believe that, Mike. He said one thing says another. I think he was on that perk. Yeah, right. Did you look at his eyes? Well, this is what he told us yesterday afternoon. Now, you're going to see a lot of clips on the TV news and everything. Oh, God, here's Aaron Rodgers whining about the young receivers again. And Well, listen. He got like six different questions, reporters saying, so how are you going to get these like this? Well, who are the ones you need to work with? Well, what are you going to do in order to get them? So, you know, the Sunday morning papers are going to have these detailed stories on how Rodgers thinks he's going to be able to bring these guys around in time to, you know, make it a winning season, whatever. But I thought that this was a very good quote. This is Aaron, the more animated guy, the guy who, you know, gets excited on the practice field or in the meetings, on how does he know what to say and when to say it when these young guys are making mistakes at practice? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I think it's the general uh, energy around the situation. So sometimes you got to kind of jump a guy's ass when it feels like the entire practice or environment is very, ugh, you know, it's kind of sunken and there's low energy and we're just kind of going through the motions. Sometimes getting on somebody... Everybody else has to kind of perk up and go, okay, now it's we're getting serious almost. You know, I, because I, I've always felt, for me, that it's happened. If a coach jumps somebody in my, you know, sphere of influence, in my area, he's basically talking to all of us. So every now and then that needs to be done. But for the most part, the best thing to do is off to the side, in the cafeteria, in the locker room, you know, in a meeting room, put your arm around a guy and say, hey, look, this is what we need from you. Next time this comes up, I really need you to be thinking this when you break the huddle and this when you get the line of scrimmage and get this look at the snap of the ball and make this reaction. So uh, the most important thing for a jump to happen is to not to repeat the same mistake twice. So these guys are going to make a lot of mistakes. The guys that don't repeat the same mistakes, we have more opportunities. Okay, Mike, I feel like he's doing that with a lot of the young wide receivers, but there's a one younger wide receiver his second year right now that I feel like is in the doghouse. His name is Amari Rogers. Is, is, is Aaron Rodgers going kumbaya with Amari Rodgers? No. You know, so their Ebo is Aaron Rodgers at his best, yeah. right? The people skills. No, you've got to wait to the right moment uh, and get this guy and look him in the eye and tell him exactly what's going on in terms of making that communication and building that relationship of trust, you know, whatever. This next, though, this is your passive-aggressive Aaron Rodgers. Because one of the younger reporters asked him about, yeah, you know, Amari Rogers. They only kept two running backs. They think this this guy could be the third one. You know, he grew up 
you know, his dad was Randall Cobb's coach at Kentucky. So there's all that kind of lineage. And, you know, nobody's, nobody's really talking about Amari Rogers. They're all talking about Dubs and Watts and all that. So here's the actual question that Rogers was asked. Aaron, what's your outlook on Amari Rodgers and where he fits on this offense? Because last year he was pretty non-existent, and then last week he didn't he didn't get out there for an offensive snap. Yeah, he's returning for us right now. That's all I got on it. <laughs> Amari, Amari Rodgers is not long for the Green Bay Packers world, I feel like, Mike. I mean... Jeez, that's called the doghouse. You know... I almost did a, a laugh snort when he said that. <laughs> was he you sipping know? water? Something he was sipping water. In between, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, sipping water. But and then, then then there's this. You know, Christian Watson. You hear him, and he's you know, kind of very prepared. And that that was a that was a lame ass drop. I mean, I started watching the tape of the game the other night, and there's scouts that say, "Oh yeah, great runner, great speed, can't catch the football." And I'm concerned about. That guy's the way he the way he dropped that seventy five yarder mm. to start the game, that that hand clap thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that doesn't look good. No, but you talk to this Romeo Dobbs, and this guy is very serious. He kind of reminds me like a Frank Gore. You know, he's only twenty two, twenty three. He looks forty two. I mean, he's <laughs> just a very serious guy. And I said to that to him to his face. I said, "Is you know, how do you approach this? Because you already act like." A very serious, this is a professional business of the way you play football. I mean, you just got to be able to attack the days that you get, man. Uh, some days isn't always going to go your way. You're going to have good, bad, and ugly days. And I try to not preach that to, you know, y'all here or whoever watches this after. Um, I try to make that muscle memory for me because I've been consistent with it, uh, you know, through my years of, you know, high school or college and even up to this point now. So. Yeah, I mean, he says all the right things and hopefully starts doing all the right things. I know he kind of misran a route, but I, I think the future is very bright for a Romeo Dobbs. I do, too. I, and soon. Uh, soon. Yeah, so be. just like the Vikings, now this Bears team is retooled with a new head coach, and they got a bunch of these former Packers, you know, Lucas Patrick, a former backup center and guard for, the, for Green Bay, now signs a deal with them. Equinemia St. Brown caught a touchdown pass. Uh, the other day, Justin Fields, though, you know, he only threw eight passes yeah. in the rain in that win over the 49ers. And they probably won't even throw more than 20 passes a game or so. But, you know, another guy that's in there is Luke Getze, who was a receivers coach, left to go to Mississippi, was there as a coordinator when Elton Jenkins was there, comes back to Green Bay as a quarterback coach, and is really impressing LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, and now he gets his job as an offensive coordinator for the Bears. And so Justin Fields talk about what it's like to have Getze as his OC. He, he knows a lot. So just, you know, him being with Aaron for a long time, you know, he just, you know, kind of teaches me the ins and the outs of the offense, you know, just the most efficient way to run the offense. So just making sure, you know, just executing on all of us. I think the Bears are always in flux with their roster when they get new coaches. So what, what, what kind of roster has uh, Matt Eberflus then, their new head coach, inherited, Mike? Well, I'll tell you what, he's an impressive coach. Um, I really mean that because when you, you know, Matt Nagy, there was always something eh, a little phony about him, but, you know, he had the track record with the Chiefs. And Mark Tressman was just weird. I mean, that guy should have been out ice fishing. He was just, he was just a goof. Lovey got him to a Super Bowl, but unfortunately had Rex Grossman, you know, for a quarterback. But this Eberflus guy, man, he talks about, you know, yeah, I've got a, I've got, I'm, this is the roster I'm inheriting right now. We have to get better. We have a young football team. Uh, we have to improve um, in the fundamentals of the game, and that's what we're looking at. You know, obviously we always look at the, the effort and the intensity which we played and how we took care of the ball and being smart, we always do that. But there's fundamentals and techniques in every position, and we have to get better at those things on, on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday of this week to improve our football team every single week going forward. So... Um, it's going to be a big week for us for our improvement. We're in that process right now. And then, uh, man, how do they how do they grade out and look at their players after a monsoon and a, a swimming pool that was Soldier Field moving forward, Mike? Yeah, well, you know, Eberflus, the defensive coordinator for the Colts. I mean, he he had some good defenses there, and he talked about how he gets into the heads of his young players to let them know, you know, with, with positive reinforcement when they do something right, and a kick in the butt when they need to pick it up. 
Yes, those are all issued today. Yep. So if you had, uh, you know, if you were in 55 plays and you had 20 loafs, you know, that's not, not a good outing. So, and, and there's a couple of guys that had that, uh, but we got to do a better job with that. We also reward guys. You know, you're in a 90, 90% club. So if you're in uh, 10 plays and you only loaf one time, uh, that's you're in a 90% club. You know, so th- that's a hard club to be into for the whole season. Uh, we'll uh, give that award out at the very end if you're in that club. Uh, but that means you played hard the entire season, and uh, that's always hard to get into. What hours are all the coaches watching film, and, and when, are the, when are the grades given out? In the mornings or noon? Yeah, the grades are doing at, at uh, you know, right before the team meeting. So, you know, about 10.30, 10.45 in there. You know, I try to give as much time as possible. So the guys, sometimes the guys grade it yesterday. You know, they get it on their iPad. They can start grading it after the game at night. Some guys do that. Some guys get in real early this morning. I'm always the guy that gets in super early. Uh, to grade it and um, and go from there. Mike, happy to report, no loafs for you. You're in the ninety percent club. I, 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 admit, I had one loaf Sunday night uh, against the Vikings. I was still getting some chocolate cake, and I missed the kick to the second half. So you know. Oh, we we don't. We're like McCarthy here, Mike. We stack success. Okay, so we had a very successful segment here. We love you, Mike. Thank you, boys. <laughs> See, there he is, Mike Clemens. Tonight, what a game for Thursday Night Football. Chargers, Chiefs, my God. Two undefeated teams, both 1-0, going at it. Chiefs favored by four points. Patrick Mahomes, already five tutties under his belt. As uh, Also, the Chargers didn't look too bad, Rowdy. That division they're in is going to be a hell of a... The AFC West is going to be a hell of a, a fight to see uh, who comes out supreme. What are you thinking? Chiefs in this game tonight? Yeah, Chiefs are favored by four. Game opened at three and a half. Money coming in on Kansas City. I don't know. Justin Herbert. I mean, the one thing that I would have actually probably bet on the chargers at plus three and a half. Weirdly enough, if Keenan Allen was playing, I feel like this dude's always hurt. Keenan Allen. Am I wrong? I think of that, but like when Keenan Allen is out there and wrong with him, they have uh, Mike Williams. Who's always been good. Austin Eckler is solid. Uh, Josh Palmer has kind of been like the the dark horse for like the rookie or younger receivers that are going to get some targets. And Justin Herbert's been phenomenal since being drafted out of Oregon. Yeah, big time. I mean, the one thing that balled out on the Badgers, the one thing that continues to hold back this Charger team, it's not anything on offense. Normally, it's the head coach because they can never figure out or find a head coach that has clock management timeout management, challenge management. They always are just the exact opposite of what you should do. Like they find ways to lose games. And then on the other hand, their defense has been a little spotty at times, but they went and traded for Khalil Mack. They now have a Mack Bosa uh, defensive line. They also have a Derwin James, a guy that I actually really wanted the Packers to draft the year that they drafted Jair Alexander. Worked out for both teams. Derwin yeah. James signed an extension. They uh, they had Casey Hayward out there forever. They Former just brought Packers. in uh, one of the top corners for the New England Patriots. Like This is a better, improved defense. As long as they can get out of their own way when it comes to <laughs> timeouts and challenges and, and all of that kind of stuff. This Chargers team is really good. Yeah, I. Hey, the that, only, it's just Keenan Allen is so good and he's so steady. It just he's always got a hamstring injury like again. His hamstring again. I still wouldn't be surprised if this is a three point game, but yes, I would favor the Chiefs. It's at Arrowhead. So this AFC West is pretty uh, stacked, man. I mean, the Broncos didn't look the greatest. You spent all that money on Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett's the new head coach, former Packers OC, and you decide to kick a forty. How long was this? What was the field goal? A 64. 64-yard field goal? What? You have Russell Wilson? Okay. And I know you're on the road in Seattle against the 12th man. And, but, yeah, I mean, Rowdy, that's Geno Smith. You totally brought it up. Is Geno Smith and the Seahawks. Is he really going to be that efficient no. again? He, he, or in fact, about, in the second quarter, he fell off after having a great first half. I honestly really don't care about the 64-yard field goal attempt. Brandon McManus, the kicker for the uh, the Denver Broncos said, "Hey, that's the line that they needed to get to, yeah, and he I said can he make hit it. it." Blah blah blah. I don't really care. How about the fact that you were in the red zone five times? Melvin Gordon fumbled at the goal line. Javante Williams fumbled at the goal line. Like maybe punch it in 
once, twice, three, yeah. maybe four times. And guess what? You're blowing out the Seahawks. Yeah. So, it doesn't matter if Geno Smith is efficient. He's down by 20 points. Yeah, totally. And then you have, uh, so the Broncos are 0-1. Chiefs obviously put up you know, Patrick Mahomes, five tutties. He was balling. And then the Raiders, the, out of all the teams in the AFC West, the Raiders look the least. Ooh, is there trouble in paradise out in Las Vegas, by the way? Well, it's, well there's just, some rumblings about. Rumble? Uh, oh, some scuttlebutt? I heard some rumblings about some players maybe not being, maybe being a little bit upset about what happened and what transpired on Sunday. So clearly the Raiders lost to the Chargers. But, but Devontae Adams had more receiving is, yards than the entire Packers receiving core. Is Devontae Adams hogging targets? Well, some are wondering. I would say he's the best wide receiver in the game. I feel like you would want to get him. Well, they have a lot of other uh, targets for Derek Carr and and weapons. Who's pissed? Renfro? Renfro and Waller Waller combined for six targets, and I believe Adams by himself had only two or three times as many as that. Mm. Now, I get it. Is Derek Carr showing favoritism for his former teammate and friend? But was that not what some Packer fans were clamoring, that Aaron Rodgers locked on to Devontae Adams too much when other players that are decent players were open? I would yes. say I would say that Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are a lot higher caliber players than the, some of the players the Packers had running open that uh, people would say Rodgers was locked onto Adams and did not throw to, and maybe there was a there was a little bit of uh, tension there where you know some guys that are used to getting some well targets and, and, and some I want the ball like well. I mean, he Hunter blamed Renfro on the ball was too. the slot the last couple well, he of years. He was the man. Dude. He caught everything, yeah. and now for him to only have three targets, I'd be a little perturbed. But hey. and and they lost. You got a shiny new toy in Devontae Adams, though. You got to break him in, right? I mean, Derek Carr and him are best buddies, college together, friends. I don't know. I think Did you just, see Devontae Adams said they almost him and Derek Carr almost died one time, whitewater rafting. I think sure just looking bond. at those four teams, I think the the Raiders are definitely in the worst spot. Because, I mean, like we said, clean it up for Denver. Don't fumble twice right there. You you win that game. It might not have been your best game, but you still easily win that game against a Seahawks team that's not expected to be great. Chargers look pretty good against uh, uh, the Raiders. Chiefs looked pretty dang good against the Cardinals. I think the Raiders are last place in that division right now. Just at a quick, way too early prediction from the AFC West week one. So I was I saw the story I just I couldn't remember if it was real or not I don't know it is indeed real maybe this is why Derek Carr and Devontae Adams focus in on each other uh, not only friends and former teammates at, in college together uh, Adams Devontae Adams was talking about a time when in college he Derek Carr Derek Carr's then girlfriend now wife Heather and a guide went whitewater rafting and they went down one of the a class four uh, the bon, the Banzia Hole. Sounds like a porn star's name. Uh, went down a class four known as a difficult whitewater rafting course. He said that they uh, obeyed. They did not obey the number one rule of whitewater rafting to keep paddling. Instead, both Adams and Carr froze, and they left it all on the girlfriend and the guide to paddle. They all fell off and almost died. They uh, almost drowned and said washed on shore and said they'll never whitewater raft again, but had an extreme bonding moment where they both saw the light and said, you know what, we need to team up in Las Vegas together instead and try and win the Super Bowl. Well, you can't when you're down 0-1 to begin. You ever been whitewater rafting? No, not not like that type of whitewater rafting that I'm sure they're doing. Yeah. I, and these two guys freeze to leave it up to the poor girlfriend, now Derek Carr's wife, and the guide. Thanks, guys. So there you go. There's their connection. Well, they almost we know, died. We know that Derek Carr freezes in big situations. <laughs> yep. We're not sure about Aaron Rodgers. He's like 50% of the time. I, you know who I bet wouldn't have froze? Tom Brady. He would have kept paddling. He would have kept going and screaming at everyone else who wasn't paddling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we know Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers has seen the white light. They say uh, that ayahuasca, so DMT is the active ingredient that makes you trip in ayahuasca. Uh, when you have near-death experiences, so DMT is naturally occurring in your brain, and when you have uh, a near-death experience, your brain actually gets flooded. It secretes DMT, and that's what going to the light and like seeing all these visions is. So we know Aaron Rodgers has kind of had near-death experiences, uh, but that's just uh, the simulation of it with DMT. I don't know if you knew that or not, everyone out there, but now you do. So there you go. All right, looking around the NFL, uh, we'll get to the Packers coming up here. Uh, 935, our guy Mike Clemens. Uh, he is going to join us. Any other games to get on? Oh, yeah, this is what I want to talk about. 
for the first time, and I hope our Washington Commander fans are listening, our guy Dougie and G-Dub, our first time in 20, was it 24 games, the Detroit Lions are favored in a game for the first time in 24 games. They are at Ford Field a one-and-a-half-point favorite over the Washington Commanders. Rowdy, the Lions have been close in every single game last year. Hell, they were close to beating the Eagles. Uh, They came storming back in the second half against the Eagles week one. Can the Lions do it? Can the Lions get a win over the freaking Commanders at Ford Field as they are favored by a point and a half? You know, I don't know how many Detroit Lions fans that we have that listen I really actually don't even know how many Detroit Lions fans there really are. If you're general. a Lions fan, call in 608-321-1670. But I have a gut feeling. Do it. Yes, do it. The Commanders win this game. No, Rowdy. And I, but I think it's going to be close. But you know what I think the difference is? Carson Wentz. Oh, the Wentz wagon. Carson Wentz is is just better. He, was, he balled out last week. Yeah, he's, he's better Rowdy's than Rowdy's a big Goff. Wentz guy. I think the difference will be another kind of later later game drive by Carson Wentz that solidifies the win for the Commanders. That's that's a gut feeling. Man, I feel like the Lions are going to do it. They're going to take down the Commies.